0: Welcome to Star with Substance, a podcast by the Vendeur. I'm your host, Lucy Kebble. Plus, a few bonus episodes, we'll be talking about the myths and greenwashing that surround sustainable fashion. Join us for discussion with industry insiders, tips, and generally geeking out on the glory that is ethical fashion. Hello again from my little corner of South London. How are you? Thanks for joining me again for another deep dive into sustainable fashion. Through my many conversations with founders and experts within the space, I have learned that it is not only a complicated subject, but a very nuanced one. A few weeks ago, I spoke to Iana from Mashu, which was episode three, if you want to go back and listen. Mashu is a vegan leather bag brand based in London, and we spoke about the innovations in the plant-based fake leather industry. This week, however, I'm flipping the conversation on its head, and I'm joined by Nika Diamond Crendle, founder of leather brand Paradise Row. I was keen to explore how a leather brand could be conscious, and whether it could also be eco-friendly. So what does conscious leather production look like? 90% of the world's leather output is chrome tanned. Nika explains more about the harmful process later, and we talk about her preferred and more environmentally safe option, vegetable tanning. However, a large part of what Paradise Row does is tell stories. Nika founded the company to address the death of artisan leather manufacturing in East London, and in doing so, discovered a lot of other proud traditions that could soon be lost. Through her designs, she explores what makes East London what it is today and gives back through various social impact projects. This conversation was recorded in our respective homes during lockdown, so apologies for any background noise that you might hear. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nika. Hi, Nika. Hi Lucy! Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And how are you? Yes, I'm not too bad, thank you. Although we're we're recording this on a very, very hot day, so I'm quietly <laughs> suffering. Yes, I won't say I'm uh, actually near to naked recording this. <laughs> <on that. laughs> Well thank God it's a podcast because so am I. <laughs> well let's um, let's dive in, why don't you tell everyone um, a bit more about yourself and your brand Paradise Row? Yes sure, um, my full name is
1: Nika Diamond Crendel and I'm the founder and creative director of the leather goods brand based in London, Paradise Row. We're currently stocked at Fortnum Mason, Fennec Bond Street and internationally Bergdorf Goodman, um, as well as selling our products online. And we've been featured in many publications such as Times as Best Bags Under £500 and um, Vogue's Eco Luxury Bags, which are good for your Um, wardrobe as well as your conscience and harper's bazaar's best sustainable bags
0: amazing so i mean we're going to talk a little bit more later about the the sustainability of your of your bags but could you just give us an idea of what you were doing before you started paradise row and why you decided to start the brand yeah sure so i was in a
1: completely different industry i was uh Part of the corporate world, I was a management consultant, working for a consultancy for four years, and then I went in-house for Santander for a year. I kind of fell into that world because it kind of seemed to be what what you did when you graduated and got a graduate job. But going to 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 further back in my background, I studied psychology and then I did um, business psychology for my masters, and I always wanted to create a brand that made an impact but at that time when I was studying I, I really didn't know what and so when I was uh, working as a consultant I was living in East London um, at the time and I also was reading about the area as you do when you new to the area and then I found the amazing fact that um, you know East London was a, a a massive textile and manufacturing industry and and it dwindled over the last 30 40 years because a lot of brands decided to manufacture um, abroad um, particularly for cheaper labor and so uh, that kind of was my moment where I was like ah I, I want to create a brand that actually a London brand that actually produces in London and I think I can have some sort of impact with this and on the community.
0: Let's talk a bit more about that because I think that's such an interesting part of the of the brand, the fact that you're based in East London because Paradise Row is a is a street in East London and yes. each of your handbags tells a bit of a story, is that right? About the area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm can you can you tell us a little bit more about about those those bags and and why you felt that it was so important to bring manufacturing back to east london
1: for me personally i just i'm so aware that when there's a loss of industry you know many p- people kind of on a surface level think oh what a shame it's not you know it's not made locally but when there's a loss of industry uh i think What is not really shouted out about is just the kind of devastation to people's jobs, um, community and area as a whole. So, you know, East London had hundreds of leather workshops and all the businesses related to it. You know, this is where Jimmy Choo started in Bethnal Green. Anya Himmarch started in Hackney.
0: I didn't know that
1: yeah yeah. So basically, this area has has made some global brands. Then you're kind of thinking, well, why does it why is it not here anymore? And so when these big global brands decide to manufacture in a different country, say like Italy, Turkey, China, Spain. the all the people who had the skills in the area or well, would have first lost their jobs and then they would have had to probably move out of London somewhere, probably another leather, industry area like Northampton looking for a job then they have to separate from their families and there's like communities that are built on manufacturing textiles they're all kind of separated and so I just think the social impact of having a supply chain which is not local I think is is overlooked and so this is this completely inspired me and my brand it inspired the name Paradise Row because it's a really historical street, Bethnal Green. And since it inspired my brand, I started looking stories around the area, which also inspired the designs. So the first collection, I, you know, I decided to dedicate it to the area where the brand was born because it was a it's, it's a fascinating area which is often overlooked when you read about history around London. It's always focused on Central London and West London. And East London has an incredible unique history um, and it needs shouting out about. And so I developed the first collection called the Core Collection. And there's these five styles. And they all have its own story and they all are inspired by an amazing institution of East London. So, for example, the Pearlie is inspired by the Pearlie King and Queens, which are a charitable organisation based in East London. And they're amazing. I mean, they're like leprechauns. It's amazing if you can ever spot them. And you can spot them. (laughs) I was going to
0: say, I don't think I've ever seen one.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like once I was walking down Brick Lane and I saw one. So what what they dress in is a suit full of like thousands of pearls on them. And this is to back back 150 years ago to garner attention from the public and start raising money uh, in their buckets for charities. And this is a... An amazing tradition that now has passed on for 150 years, and they pass down their suits to their, you know, their sons and daughters and their grandchildren, the great great grandchildren. And so, the pearly king and queens that you see around today, they are the great 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 grandchildren of the original pearly king and queens.
0: Wow, that's so lovely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's just one design <laughs> of the, yeah. the first collection. And then you have like boxer, which is inspired by the boxing sport, which actually started in East London. And now it's like a like a world known sport and hundreds of millions of people around the world watch boxing when there's those huge boxing matches. And that was that originated in East London. And then you have London Buddhist Centre, which has been a pillar for the community because it offers on a donation basis yoga classes and meditation classes and people who suffer from alcoholism or depression and they can go on courses for free and you just don't really find something like that in London anymore and it's this huge beautiful centre um, which is housed in a former Victoria Fire Station so I just feel that all these stories that make what London is today is just important to highlight and this area should be also cherished like the rest of london
0: definitely i mean I, I had no idea that those those places existed and they were doing so really when people are buying a bag from you they're helping to keep the story moving they're helping to educate other people as well as um, make a difference for these social impacts as well
1: yeah it's, it's almost like they're promoting these institutions because they already probably struggle before uh, this whole pandemic happened because most of them are charitable organizations so it's very important to keep that story alive for them
0: and you touched a little bit earlier about the 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 core collection it's it's very classic You've, you've had a few collections since but you you're sort of you're not releasing four new collections a year you're you're quite a slow fashion model how important do you think it is to to keep things very classic very timeless and really good quality in order to help people uh, have more sustainable wardrobes I I think it's incredibly
1: important I designed the core collection as kind of like a base and for its aesthetic to be oh that's a paradise row bag and It's very clean, it's very minimal, but it has the gold hardware that keeps it contemporary.
0: It's Um, really noticeable as well. I can always spot when someone's wearing a Paradise Row bag because it's so unique to the brand.
1: Yeah, and and, and I guess like the core collection is the kind of foundation of the brand and and that's how I want it to be in terms of its design. So the, the real focus is just the leather and just pairing with minimal gold hardware. I think with that... It just remains timeless. So you could carry the pearly bag in 10 years' time and it doesn't look, oh, that's so, you know, 2010 or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, and, and, and also the fact that I don't look to trends, what's going on around me. Um, the designs are completely inspired by stories and when it's inspired by stories and not trends, then they do last throughout time because you're almost creating an art piece and not like a, a, a trend essentially yeah
0: you're not creating a fad yeah definitely I, th- I think because you've been around for a couple of years now sorry remind me when you yes, when you founded it three
1: years 2017
0: yeah and and the bags still look as great today as they as they did when you first bought them out and uh, because you do you do a few collaborations as well I really loved the last one that you did with Venetia that was that was really beautiful oh thank you yes
1: yes and so they've evolved over time so it's a once a year collection and the second collection was Empathy and that was kind of um that's a round bag with line drawings of an emotion face which is done with gold hardware and then we evolved into the hourglass collection which was more kind of a shoulder bag with a female line drawing uh, of Venetia berries embossed into the bag and then a certain body part would be highlighted in gold hardware and so you do see the kind of continuation between each collections because the the colorways stay the same and obviously the gold hardware and how it's used to stay the same so it's recognizable as a paradise road bag that way and for me every collection it was important for it to have its own theme so the core collection was based on culture so i focus on different aspects of society and tell a story that way second collection was based on psychology and then the third collection was based on the arts and specifically how women are portrayed in the arts
0: amazing sounds really interesting mm-hmm. and can we talk a little bit more about the sustainability of the brand because of course creating slow collections once a year is really important creating classics that that don't age is really important but you know working with leather i think is is probably um a bit of a dis- divisive thing within the sustainable sphere of fashion because veganism is 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 very popular now and you know with good reason you chose to help a dyeing art in East London and that involved working with leather. So can you tell us more about the leather that you use and and how you're trying to make it as conscious as possible? Yeah I mean
1: first of all I would say like the term sustainability. I think on the surface everyone just attaches that to eco materials but sustainability is a much broader term than that. It's about are you consciously with what you're producing making an impact so that could be with community that could be with materials that could be with a charity it doesn't have to be just one particular one or it doesn't have to be all of them as long as you are trying to do good and you are making impact then you're a sustainable brand absolutely Um, so I when I set out and I said with, with the story earlier in this podcast, is when I set out, I wanted to make a difference to the community. I wanted to essentially preserve British craftsmanship, be kind of an inspiration for other brands to start making locally, and hopefully help bring back the industry with other brands. And also to there's kind of a generation lost now. And the more business you give to the area, the more they will start training skilled workers to work in a workshop. And it's just kind of a chain reaction. So that was my focus to help preserve local workshop, help preserve British craftsmanship. And then I started thinking about other things where I can have an impact. So I try and work with as many local creatives as possible. So local graphic designer, local photographer. And then I also based our office locally. So we're not using too many carbon emissions and so on. So I started to think conscience. When you do one sustainable impact, you start to think about all the other areas that you improve. So then with leather, yes, that it has been divisive uh, with this uh, movement of veganism however I guess that that's focus on basically animals where now there's a lot of brands that have released vegan leather but they're plastic for me I just can't bring myself to use something that's plastic that, that would outlive nature and doesn't biodegrade leather biodegrades within 50 years it's not the same with plastic it outlives us all. I can't really make the decision of offering something for our vegan customers until I know that it also wouldn't make a bad environmental impact. There has been some amazing advances but not that much but um, there's pineapple leather, apple leather, they're starting to appear but not enough not strong enough to make a structure bag so they're more for like clothes so watch the space i mean i guess in the next 10 years we'll we'll see there's gonna be major advances in leather and then i possibly would branch out to offer something for our vegan customers but i'm not doing it for the sake of a trend and just you know making a
0: quick buck of course, yeah. Can, can you tell us a bit more about um, the vegetable tanned leather that you use? Because there's a big difference between chrome tanned leather and vegetable tanning. And I think, uh, am I correct in saying that if something is chrome tanned, it takes longer to biodegrade? Yes, because there's a protective
1: layer. But actually, how leather was produced way back when, in the beginning of the 20th century, was, uh, was actually all of it was vegetable tanned so they would dig deep pits into the ground put the animal skin in put vegetation on top which is for example like barks leaves branches berries all sorts of leaves fruits and natural occurring tannic acids in that vegetation would convert convert the animal skin into leather and so this was a real artisanal method and it was a slow process Um, and this is why the colors that we have in paradise row there's such a deep earthy color but with industrialization capitalism so people wanted things faster they wanted it more protected and so now leather is actually tanned with chemical salts so if this is mismanaged in a tannery this is bad for the environment and 90 percent of world's leather is chrome tanned
0: yeah I've, I've read some really awful stories about the um tanneries in india the the workers aren't given well in some tanneries the workers aren't given proper protective clothing they're just stirring vats of Skins with with chemicals and their bare hands. They're not given um, masks or anything like that. And I think a lot of mm. us have also probably seen the awful pictures of rivers um, in the country that are mm. dyed really unnatural colors because when the skins are washed it it all just gets washed into the river and it's not properly the water isn't properly clean I think it's such an important part of the process and when you're buying a leather handbag or something leather especially it's something to really look out for that a brand is doing I just I think the
1: tanneries who do vegetable tanning they are they're a lot more old school in their process because they treat everything in an artisan way. They really care about their craft and, you know, they weren't set up just suddenly and to, 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 oh, quickly, there's a demand for leather. Start making lots of business. It was it's from these tanneries who vegetable tan they are from like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Amazing. And um, in terms of also, like, the sustainability of leather, you know, there's it's always a byproduct of the food industry. And my leather tannery, they were telling us that um, in Argentina, where, you know, steak is so much part of their food culture, there's this excess amount of leather mm. that they don't know what to do with or animal skin. So they actually burn burn them because there's just too much animal skin. And that's also a waste where it can be used for leather. I in that way it's sustainable sustainable because you're you're kind of recovering waste and making something out of it.
0: Of course, yeah. Making something really beautiful out of it. Exactly. So what's what's the future for the brand? Do you have anything in the pipeline that you can Uh, sneakily let us in on or (laughs) when when will the next collection be dropping
1: um we've done quite a few collaborations with the hospitality industry um such as petersham nurseries we produced a beautiful um garden bucket bag for them um we've also done wine menu holders uh, wine menu covers and bill holders for saga and wild and i always wondered why the these um hospitality brands Approached us, and it was really because of the beautiful vegetable tanned leather, and I guess the story behind the brand. Mm -hmm. And so it just naturally made sense to evolve into a leather goods brand and not just a bag brand. So this um, autumn, we are releasing uh, 20 leather products. Um, they're all lifestyle products including small leather goods to just kind of celebrate us as a leather good, goods brand and moving away that's from. really
0: exciting yes I can't wait to see those
1: so that would reposition us as a lifestyle brand and and um, not as a fashion
0: brand that's really interesting I think I think that now more than ever it's it's so important to diversify as well because if lockdown has taught us anything, it's that a flexible company is one that's going to survive.
1: Yes, exactly. And um, we had a, an amazing support your local campaign during lockdown, where those is five institutions which inspired our first collection, their charitable organisations. So we sold all our factory seconds um, at a, an affordable price. And they sold out within a week and we raised two and a half grand for those local institutions because the charities suffer the most during this pandemic. And um, it kind of showed us that there is definitely room for products that's uh, lower price points, such as uh, kitchen uh, leatherware or um, home interiors, gifting products. So that's what we're expanding to this autumn
0: yeah amazing well yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all of that I think that'll be that'll be a really lovely way to end the year won't it
1: definitely it's <laughs> it's been a a really hard slug um I 2020 we literally had to change everything we changed our manufacturer we changing our website releasing 20 products As It's a lot of um, background work, but it will be all worth it to really show us as a kind of design led, community led, almost artsy um, lifestyle brand.
0: Well, I think that's a really lovely place to end the conversation. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Nika, for sharing with us. I think that people have probably learned a lot about East London. I know (laughs) I had no idea about a lot of those things. So, yeah, thank you. And we'll all be looking out for the new collection when it drops in autumn. And thank you, Lucy. I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, thank you. Have a lovely day. You too. So the conversation around real versus vegan leather isn't as simple as it first seems. With most aspects of sustainability, I am discovering that your personal ethics play a huge role in how you decide to take part. Thank you to Nika for speaking to me today and for sharing her honest story of struggling to be a sustainable brand through lockdown. I know we're all finding it hard and I hope that the light on the other side of the tunnel is growing closer. Don't forget to let us know what you think, get in touch or review and subscribe so that other people can find us. I'll be back next week with an exciting conversation about organic fabrics to celebrate Organic September. If you can't wait that long, we have more information about organic fashion, food and beauty over on the website. And as always, you can find us on thevonda.co.uk. See you then.